Hey everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buxov, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm back this week with a very special guest and fellow podcaster who is passionate about promoting the pharmacy profession and transforming healthcare. She's the founder of Talk to Your Pharmacist, which has over 250 episodes highlighting successful pharmacy leaders and sharing about current healthcare trends. Her interest in leadership inspired her to author How Pharmacists Lead, Answers from Women Who Are Leading, Succeeding, and Impacting Pharmacy, available on Amazon to encourage young female leaders and those who want to grow in their careers. I'm so excited to introduce Dr. Hilary Blackburn, PharmD MBA, who is a clinically and business trained pharmacist having practiced for over a decade in a variety of healthcare settings. She has experience in healthcare strategy, business development, formulary development, and management, consulting, and establishing successful medication access programs. In her current role, she serves as Chief Pharmacy Officer at Dispensary of Hope, a national nonprofit medication distributor hosted by Ascension, where she oversees the formulary leads research initiatives and manages two networks of pharmacist strategic advisors. Dr. Blackburn was selected to serve on the American Pharmacist Association's Executive Committee. She precepts student pharmacists from several colleges and serves on the Belmont University College of Pharmacy Advisor Committee. Hillary completed a PGY-1 pharmacy practice residency at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. In 2012, Hillary returned to her Tennessee roots and met her wonderful husband, Chad, in Nashville, where she enjoys staying involved in her community through volunteering, living an active lifestyle, traveling, spending time with friends and family, and their two children. So without further ado, let's welcome her to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have a very special guest today. It's Dr. Hilary Blackburn, and she's a pharmacy leader and advocate. Um, she's also in the innovative and the business development field of pharmacy. So I'm super excited. Welcome to the show, Hilary. Thank you, Marina. Excited to be here. Yes. Um, so I am so curious what got you into pharmacy in the first place? What was your background in? And why did you decide to study this field? Yeah, so I always had an interest in medicine. And, um, you know, from an early age, I picked, you know, Clara Barton, the nurse from the Civil War, to like do an art project on in third grade. And it was just always something that um, kind of captivated me. And my path that I thought was going to be, um, going into medical school, but, uh, at one of the Ole Miss or university of Mississippi scholars day events, I bump into, um, one of the, uh, associate professors for the Dean of students. And he's talking to me about the early entry program. And I was kind of encouraged by my parents to try that route. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that I ended up doing that because, um, as 
uh, I'm sure many of our, you know, current pharmacists or student pharmacists have come to find out is that, you know, once you get into that fourth year, the opportunities are endless, uh, you know, picking a really wide variety of rotation experiences, um, was something that I was really intentional about doing. And, you know, even, um, having the experience of going and getting to intern on Capitol Hill for one of the U S senators, uh, I think also helped kind of instill my passion for policy and advocacy. And of course I come back and I ask that same, uh, Dean of Students, uh, Dr. Marvin Wilson, I said, this, I love DC, but how do I go back for pharmacy? And we all know pharmacy is a small world. And uh, there was an alum that was the director for the Office of Pharmacy Affairs. At that time, I had no idea what that was. And uh, I said, great, I'll do it. And so the very next summer, I had the chance to go um, back and live in DC on the Hill, took the Metro out to Rockville, Maryland at the HRSA office building and learned all about the 340B program and all of the different initiatives that they were doing from that programmatic, um, standpoint. And so, um, now my journey has come full circle from having that clinical experience and doing a residency uh, in um, the hospital and ambulatory setting and working in a variety of different pharmacy settings, which is, has really um, given me a lot of uh, variety in um, all of the different fields of pharmacy. And then pulling that together with that uh, policy and kind of programmatic experience. So I've uh, been the chief pharmacy officer at Dispensary of Hope, a uh, national charitable medication distributor for almost the last eight years. And that role has grown and evolved over the years. And uh, it's been so fun to see that grow as my uh, full-time job. I'm happy to to share some of the other things that keep me busy, but I'll go ahead and stop there. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing your, it sounds like a very diverse and robust experience in the pharmacy field and um, pushing our profession forward. Um, what do you think is, is continuing to motivate and inspire you to advocate and to experience these different settings? And what has been the most rewarding part of your career so far? Oh, gosh. You know, um, I... I think that everything kind of comes in, in seasons too. Right. So, um, not to say that I've, I I'm always been an overachiever and, uh, even, you know, growing up and that's identified in one of my strengths from strength finders, uh, and a maximizer and learner, et cetera. Um, but you know, when I first moved to Nashville after residency, I took a little step back and just enjoyed, getting to know the new city and, um, and then I leaned back in. So I think that there's chances that you can, you know, take a break or lean in and lean out. Um, but even as a student, I was, you know, um, signing up for ASB associated student body, um, had the chance to go to APHA summer leadership Institute, and so now I just finished um, uh, being selected as one of APHA's 
APPM executive committee members, and that is a nationally elected position and a two-year term. And so that was really fun to be able to um, meet with other colleagues across the country and uh, hear from more of the APHA staff and some of the direct um, uh, opportunities and things that um, you know, we're happening at the national organization level and, you know, even at the state level, I love being involved with, uh, TPA and, uh, serving on the membership, uh, engagement committee and legislative and policy committee. Um, you know, it's such an honor to, um, be, recognized by peers in that way to be elected or to be invited, um, for, you know, when I, when I first graduated, of course, I'm sure many others kind of have this feeling too, is that, you know, you are, you're trying, you're still trying to figure everything out. Um, and so it wasn't in, and, you know, you see these people with big titles and, and all these accolades and things, but it's kind of like that vision of like the iceberg. And it's like, what you see is the success. You don't see all of the things in the background. Um, and so, you know, it, it wasn't the first year, the first two years, the first, you have to really build and, um, you got to put in the work. You're not an overnight success. Um, and so, you know, being recognized by, um, I've been able to serve, uh, on the Dean's advisory council for, um, one of the local colleges here in Nashville, Belmont university, uh, for a few years. And then was just recently invited by my alma mater, um, to serve on the Dean's Advisory Council for the University of Mississippi. And so, you know, being recognized um, by other leaders um, to be able to give back and serve in that way uh, is really um, such an honor. And, um, you know, I'm so, so thrilled to be able to do that. But I think, you know, two of the biggest leaps of faith that I've done individually in my career have been launching a podcast when it was still very new. Um, so actually, uh, there were two other ones, like there was only really one that existed in 2017. And then three of us kind of, kind of came in in that summer. So I was an early adopter on podcasting and launched the talk to your pharmacist podcast in August of 2017. So, um, it, I have had the pleasure to meet and interview and share over 240 pharmacy and other healthcare leaders stories. Um, and that is really what inspires me. And I remember talking with, um, someone when I was coming up with this idea and he said, Oh, you're going to run out of content. I have not run out of content. There continues to be amazing things happening in pharmacy. I love getting on LinkedIn and seeing what people are doing. Um, seeing some of these innovative solutions providing, you know, I love, um, being on the cutting edge of, of innovation and technology, seeing how we can bring formulary, um, information right to the provider office so that they know 
on site, like what's covered, what's not covered, what the prices should be. Um, got to do an interview with one of those companies, um, think companies like, you know, doc station and scripted that are helping to roll out, um, clinical services and make those billable and more readily, uh, adopted, um, by, you know, going to payers on the behalf of, uh, independent pharmacies and hopefully other community pharmacies. So it's just really fun to see, um, some of the, the innovative technology and thing. And then of course, individual practitioners, um, I highlighted a, a few, um, women in pharmacy, uh, that had really inspired me. And that was, um, another thing that I kind of had on my to-do list as I was pregnant with our first baby was writing a book and help, you know, after going back to school and doing an MBA, uh, in 2019. And, you know, that was even after, um, a couple of years of really some professional development growth, reading tons of books. I love leadership books. I geek out on those and audible. Um, but there was so much growth in that. I mean, I remember talk about season. So one of my residency directors, um, gave us all the book, um, uh, seven habits of highly effective people as a resident. And I was like, Oh, how great immediately put it to the side because, oh, how do I possibly have time for that? And then fast forward a few years, pick it back up. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that was really kind of the start of um, me going down the rabbit hole of like really doing that. So I try to pull some of those pearls that I'd learned over the years of um, some of the leadership books um, the MBA, and then just highlighting women. So, you know, I mentioned Clara Barton earlier. Um, you know, when you think about women in pharmacy, there's certainly, um, some great innovators. You can hop online and LinkedIn or social media. And now, you know, we kind of keep popping up, but, um, you know, I wanted to kind of document that because if you don't see it or you don't know like what the different roles and things are, then sometimes, you know, we really need to encourage that, um, women in pharmacy pipeline. Uh, well, we've got a lot of women in pharmacy, women in leadership pipeline. Um, the only 3% of, uh, uh, women, uh, are CEOs in fortune 500 companies. And, you know, there are a lot of different reasons for that. And I go into that in the book. Um, but I also go into some of the things that companies can do. And then some of the things that, um, you know, we should be doing as women to, um, you know, raise our hand and, and sign up for those roles and things. And so, um, it's been fun to join, uh, one of APHA foundations, they had an inaugural women in pharmacy committee that was kicked off, I think August of 21. And, um, so, you know, there's definitely, um, with so many women going into pharmacy, uh, it's great to have that leadership representation and, um, really to help cultivate and, you know, lift other female leaders up. So those are some of the things that keep me passionate and motivated. So I love it. Um, and I love that you're speaking to this holistic idea of there being seasons in life and in nature, we could see there's 
cycles day and night, winter and summer, and time to slow down or time to focus on work or family. And it sounds like you've cultivated that balance and enjoyed that sort of rewarding um, lifestyle for yourself. So I'd like to know, did you receive any guidance along the way as far as like how to get into these spaces? Why should somebody go for their MBA? Um, how to get involved at a high level in leadership and an organization such as APHA. Can you give us some tips on how you learn to do that for yourself? Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is trial and error. I've certainly had some um, great mentors along the way. And I'll tell you some of my favorite mentors too have been um, executive pharmacy, uh, men that are retired because they have a little bit more time and, um, I've developed some really great relationships with them. Um, but yes, there's, there's been some really great women and some of these have happened. Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorites was, you know, one of our, one of my preceptors, um, in school, um, Dr. Debbie Miner and, uh, Dr. Sharon Dickey, they were amazing. Uh, Leanne Ross, great leader. She's done a lot of amazing things. So, um, you know, they're, they're just different people along the way who've been great and instrumental. Um, but, uh, for going back and getting my MBA, that, uh, was something that, you know, um, I was exploring, you know, well, what's next? I'm always kind of thinking what's next, you know, the, the achiever in me. And, uh, I was kind of ready for a new challenge. Um, there, a lot of times companies will have great programs and things for their employees to go back and do other education. And, um, I was able to do my MBA, which of course was not my prime primary degree, um, in a self-paced competency-based course that was online and at a very reasonable rate, um, through scholarships and, and different, um, kind of things with, uh, my company, which was great. So had, you know, adding on that like finance and accounting that I didn't get in pharmacy school that, um, you know, was really helpful to add. And then, you know, asking, um, I, you know, had had the chance to interview a couple of the APHA former presidents and asking them, you know, how, you know, this sometimes, you know, big organizations can sound very complex and hard to break into. And, um, I mean, signing up for committees is the way to do it. It's like, you've just got to put your feet in and volunteer and show up and keep showing up. And then people start to um, see your name and say, oh yeah, let's, we should ask Hillary about that. So um, consistency is key. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those tips. And for the students of pharmacy currently, or even just for people in practice that are looking for a way to practice at the top of their license or to diversify their experience, what would your advice be to them as far as what to do in this change, ever-changing world, right? Like now we are having technology surges and AI, artificial intelligence, and like the role of pharmacy, as you were saying, is being constantly reevaluated and innovated and people are doing so many interesting things. So 
are degrees becoming obsolete? Should we still get an MBA or other degrees that you would recommend getting? Any kind of insight on that piece? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, part of our pharmacist oath is the commitment to lifelong learning, right? And I think that that's really the key. I mean, not just checking the box with CE, but, you know, what are you really interested in? Um, you know, look at kind of where the trends are and things. And so I think one of the biggest things that I like to tell my students is, you know, sign up for, for the newsletters and things that are outside of pharmacy. So, you know, I love getting some information from like Becker's healthcare, um, morning consult, or just, you know, whatever other resources are. So you can start seeing, okay, where are the shifts happening? Um, you know, you can get the update from APHA or ASHP or NCPA, whatever, um, you know, pharmacy association or your school, but knowing, um, what some of those broader trends are like, you know, social determinants of health. Of course, we're, we've adopted that now and into pharmacy, but in value-based care, but, you know, you want to see like what, what is happening in the other disciplines. So what's medicine doing or what's this doing or these large health systems. And, um, so I think that that's really important. Um, I don't think that, you know, degrees are going to be obsolete. I think we'll still have to have those, but, um, you know, there are so many opportunities. Another thing that I love to tell students is um, really, you know, informatics was not even a track when uh, I was going through school. I don't know when that actually um, was more formally adopted, but I think, um, you know, data uh, is set, you know, king. Um, You don't have to be a data analyst or data scientist or, you know, actually doing all of the data, but you better know how to ask the right questions. Um, I think that critical thinking is so important. Um, you know, so many times in like our didactic learning, it's like you're in a classroom and you're just consuming and it's like, okay, how are you critically thinking about how this is happening and to ask the right questions. And so, um, you know, being embracing technology, uh, and embracing change and being open to opportunities is really important. So, you know, if there are, um, some innovators and things to watch that you, maybe you like, you know, herbal medicine, or maybe you like, um, you know, functional medicine or genomics or whatever it might be, um, start following some of those people, do that informational interviewing, uh, people usually like to be asked, um, you know, for their expertise and, and are usually willing to help. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask, um, from some of those people. Yeah. Thank you for those tips as well. And I'm curious because I do see the MBA is something that a lot of pharmacists end up getting. So um, is there a specific reason that you would advise somebody to go get it? Or is there uh, something that it specifically helped you do in your career? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, as healthcare professionals, uh, we don't get enough business training. And uh, so I think that having that is 
certainly advantageous. Um, you know, I went, I had some real life experience and work experience before I went back and did it. I know that some schools do the dual degree. Um, but yeah, I think that it helps you to think more strategically. Um, I think that, you know, it's also so important whenever you're trying to define your value or, you know, the ROI that you're bringing to, um, you know, your department, your, uh, organization, uh, more broadly. And so being able to, um, think in those terms is, uh, really important. You know, pharmacy, we keep saying we can't get paid for our services or why. And, you know, I think that if we, um, embraced more of that, um, kind of understood how things work or, uh, then, um, you know, we could make some even more significant changes. Beautiful. And because you have this bird's eye view of the landscape and all the different settings that you were, um, you know, participating in and are, have a diverse background and skill set, um, I would like to ask, how do you stay sort of motivated and um, not get bogged down with some of the landscape that's not so great, right? Like with the conditions, the working conditions and all the burnout that we're seeing in our profession. How do we stay ahead of the curve and ensure that we are advocating and leading in our space? Gosh, yeah, that's a, a great question because, um, you know, we have so many colleagues that are on the front lines and, you know, I did that for the first 10 years that I graduated, I still did moonlighting at, um, one of the, you know, retail chains. And, um, that was great to be able to keep my feet wet and, and say what's happening in like the general, the most common areas of pharmacy. Um, and, you know, I, probably have a, a little bit more of like just that positive outlook or kind of that we can do it kind of change uh, mentality. And so instead of, you know, thinking about all the things that are going wrong, I like to kind of think about, all right, well, what, what's going right. And that's kind of, you know, part of the podcast that I have um, talk to your pharmacist. It's, dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. So, um, you know, even though we see headlines and things that, uh, there's shortages of pharmacist workers, um, and you know, the, you know, a lot of the answers that we're giving back is it's not a shortage of workers. It's, you know, people are unwilling to, um, work in those conditions and things. And so I think that, you know, there are a lot of people that are kind of raising the flag and, you know, speaking up and, um, you know, advocating uh, in that well-being and, you know, workplace environment space, um, which is great. And, you know, I like to just kind of highlight some of the, you know, opportunities and things that are out there. Um, you know, the dispensing model has been struggling. We see pharmacy deserts happening. We see, you know, um, fewer, you know, or declining reimbursements and, um, it's really challenging, uh, environment right now. Um, but there's, 
you know, how do we diversify our services and um, look at other revenue streams and things? Um, you know, if you are miserable in your job, um, you know, what are some of the things like, are you going home and vegging out and watching TV all night? Or, you know, can you take an hour and, um, you know, work on, um, developing some skills or like go to some networking events and try to meet some other pharmacists. And are you kind of going and like dragging your feet and, um, saying, woe is me, or are you kind of out there and saying like, hi, I'm Hillary. Great to meet you. And, um, so I think, you know, networking is going to be really important because, um, you know, if you are looking for other opportunities, it's great to have a really big network and then continuing to like stack your skills. Um, you know, I was working my full-time job and going back and doing my MBA. Now that was pre having kids. So thankfully, um, you know, that was the right season for that. But then once I had my baby in 2020, 2021 was another year of, um, you know, just figuring out, you know, I kind of had my podcast on autopilot and, um, my job, you know, I had that kind of dialed in. And so that was a season of, adjusting to being a new parent. And, um, you know, I just finished up this term with, um, the APHA executive committee, um, which, you know, was a lot of volunteer hours and things, but, um, we're about to have another baby. And so it's kind of good timing to like, you know, take some things off and then, you know, say no to some things and say yes to others. And, Um, so that's an important thing too, is like, you cannot do everything all the time and your career is going to be, you know, 30, 40 years. I don't know. Maybe some of these like fire people, the financially independent retire early, um, might have shorter career spans, but, uh, anyway, you are, you've got a whole long time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So don't feel like you have to, um, be the president of this and, um, you know, sign up for everything and accomplish all your goals before you're 30 or 40. So, um, yes, those are just a few things. Yeah. I love that you mentioned the seasons again and allowing yourself to just prioritize differently in different phases and stages of your life and your career and stack things accordingly. And I have a podcast, obviously, as well. Um, We're on my podcast and I interview so many other pharmacists that have switched something in their career, added on something that makes them more excited or makes them more aligned with their inner value system, which makes them feel like, you know, they're self-actualizing and fulfilling their purpose in a new way, um, which is energizing in itself. Um, And specifically, you know, a lot of people that are integrating more holistic modalities because that's their, their calling and their interest, but there's so many other things that you can do. And I think it starts with awareness first, like you have to be in tune and allow your body and your emotional body to communicate those things to you. And that information that you're not satisfied, right, or you're burnt out is important and you can choose to do something about it. You can choose to change something and change is always hard. Um, Change is, you know, 
something unexpected, something that's a risk, right? Because we're just used to being at a certain level of dissatisfaction and we are used to dealing with it. But to do something new requires a little bit of a risk and you don't know if it's going to be better or worse. So a lot of people just choose to, all right, I'll just stay with this because I know how to deal with it. Um, But it's that realization, I think, about the choice that you don't have to stay and you don't have to change. You are at choice. So I think just reframing that as a simple mindset shift to I'm choosing to stay or I'm choosing to go um, is really empowering and taking that responsibility that, yes, you can't control your circumstances, but you do have a lot more control than you tell yourself by saying, I have to. And so I would invite anybody listening to start saying to yourself, I choose to and see how that affects your life. Um, And I would love to ask too, Hillary, um, looking back on your career trajectory is there any lingering regret or something you would have done differently? Oh gosh. Yeah. And I love the, that you pointed out that it is up to us. We do get to choose. Um, we don't get to choose how people, you know, treat us or our circumstances all the time, but we do get to choose how we respond and, um, you know, being thankful you know, using that gratitude, um, exercises and different things. So really great point. Um, looking back at anything that I regret or would have done differently. Um, I don't know. That's a good question because I feel like I am always kind of, um, looking ahead and don't really like to kind of, I mean, there's definitely been times And I think probably being a mom and just being so busy and having like so many different things, I just don't have time to dwell and think about, um, all the negative things, you know, I, um, I, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll still have like, gosh, I wish that I had had, you know, that conversation with my coworker or that conversation with my spouse or that conversation would have gone differently. Or, you know, you think about like, oh, you had like the perfect thing to say like later. Um, but you know, I really feel like, um, um, you know, I'm as a planner, I always like to kind of have Hillary's plan and, uh, it's always been so much better when God has, um, you know, I've kind of leaned into what his plan has been for my life. Um, for example, you know, um, my husband and I, uh, were married five years before we had our first or before we started, um, trying to have children. And it was amazing. We traveled. I mean, we've been to Thailand and Greece and Cuba and I mean, the Italian Alps and, all kinds of amazing places. And we always hack the system and use credit card points. And, um, you know, not to say that sounds very, uh, glamorous, but we, we definitely, um, figure out, or actually we had an Airbnb, um, revenue. We would rent out our house, which I had a love to hate relationship with that, but, um, 
we would rent, we would do, um, Airbnb with our house in Nashville and that would fund, um, a lot of our travel travel is very important to us. And it's something that we really enjoy, but my husband just wasn't ready. Um, and you know, uh, as women, we're also, we're often worried about like our biological clocks and things like that. And, um, I would, you know, I would say get frustrated or impatient, um, or things like that. Um, and you know, there is, um, with so much, uh, uh, joy in having a baby in 2020, um, my work had gone remote and, um, it was a wonderful time to start having kids. So, um, that's been really great. Um, and then looking back, I do, I do tell students the story. So I, um, when I moved to Nashville, I was working for a family friend, um, at an independent pharmacy and he ended up selling the business. And so I was kind of looking for another job and I, you know, the job search is always so hard, especially when you're like a new grad or, you know, still young in your career. And you know, what's your experience? Like one year, none, this or you just don't know people and you're like, I don't know what I like or don't like. Well, I went on some interviews with a company and, um, you know, I was asking about the culture and one of the responses was, um, walk on eggshells. And I was like, Oh, I can come in and make a difference. No mayday run the other way. If anybody says anything like that, and it sounds kind of a negative or something, then that should be a red flag. Like, I can't believe, you know, that was actually shared, um, in the interview, but it, it, I did end up, um, going and working at that company. And, um, they were, of course, little did I know as like a you know, new employee and so green didn't know that they were just hiring up people just to get through an acquisition. And, um, and so, you know, I learned a lot from that. I'm glad that, you know, I learned about prior authorizations and who does that pharmacists and, you know, what Medicare, um, kind of exceptions and things and, you know, kind of how a health plan works, but it, you know, there wasn't great leadership. There wasn't a great team environment. Um, you know, I definitely learned some things that I don't enjoy doing, which is the monotonous, you know, to me, I like to do something that's different every day and where I can kind of use my creative and, um, you know, relationship and networking skills. Um, so anyway, you, sometimes you take, opportunities, um, you know, on the flip side, you don't want to just be holding out forever on that perfect job when, you know, you're young or new, or sometimes you just got to get in and get experience or like start getting a paycheck. Um, and then you can start, you know, building on those extra skills as mentioned, but you know, if, if you, um, here are some of those things, then just like keep your head down. And so anyway, I, I like to kind of share that is, you know, you're not always going to have your favorite or dream job. Um, and I think that also makes me really appreciate, um, you know, some of the things that I love about having working at a smaller nonprofit or, you know, some of the things that I've done, um, you know, just 
independently. Um, you know, I mentioned being uh, a mom and we're expecting our uh, second um, next month. So very, very soon. Um, and so, you know, my um, being a, a patient kind of helped get me thinking about some of the gaps in care. And, um, you know, that's what kind of started my wheels going on creating a maternal health solution, um, which, you know, the rates for maternal health in the, or maternal mortality in the U S are the worst of any developed country, which is just horrible. And, um, you know, being a new mom or, you know, there's that fourth trimester and there's all these questions that you have. And, um, there's just not really a great, um, set of resources. You know, I remember I had a C-section and, um, I'd never been to a PT before and, um, Spain and France, I think offer PT services for all post, um, pregnancy, uh, women. And, you know, that's not really like, it's not really common knowledge or, um, you know, to do that, or just some of the other things like the UK sends, um, you know, a a nurse to your home. And so, you know, instead of in the U S where we go back and we have our one week, one, um, sorry, our visit at the six week mark and you're like, everything going okay, great. Do you need any form of contraception or, um, you know, there's, uh, there could be a lot more services and things and just resources to better support, um, moms and new parents. And so that's some of what I'm trying to build at RX for mom. So. Yeah. I mean, you hit on so many good points there. So first of all, congratulations on the second baby to come. Um, second of all, I love the perspective of yes, hindsight is always 2020, but looking for those silver linings and looking at your experiences as a teaching or learning moment. And I love the quote, you either win or you learn, right? So everything could be just seen as something that you had to go through in order to learn something or just another way that you can reframe and you get to choose to either beat yourself up for something and, you know, judge yourself or the situation really harshly or judge others. Um, or you can reframe that and say, hey, you know what, now I know, and now this is helping me to prevent a bigger mistake or, uh, you know, something in the future. So um, I love that perspective. And, you know, you could you could take it going backwards with regrets. You could also take it just going forward. And instead of feeling overwhelmed, you know, with all these things and having like a 5, 10, 15 year perfect plan, just what you talked about before a little bit, sometimes requiring surrender right? And trusting that you know enough to take one step and then each step can inform what's the next best step. And just taking baby steps is the way to go sometimes. And it's nice to have a plan, but also nice to have some empathy, actually a lot of empathy and compassion for, you know, life happening and you having to adjust and be flexible with your plans. And that's actually in nature, you could also see like, when you're flexible, you're actually showing a lot of strength and, you know, something could be very hard, uh, but then can break. So, um, so I love that. And I totally agree about maternal health too, needing so much more support. And even the way we see 
um, pregnancy and you even call it, you know, some, somebody is a patient, like a pregnant patient, as if it's a pathology, but it's actually a very natural process. And I think in our country, we lack a lot. Like if we look, if we look at some reports from the Commonwealth Fund, as far as how we compare to other high income countries, as our healthcare expenditures are rising, but the quality of care and health outcomes are ranked really poorly in comparison. So we've got to start changing how we approach our resources that we're spending and really focusing, in my opinion, on preventative education, public health. And that's where I see, you know, why I'm so passionate about herbalism, because it's so sustainable and it's regenerative. And for example, I chose to go to a birthing center and I chose to have drug free. Um, and again, this is not a judgment, but I think a lot of people just don't realize they're not educated at what's possible and how you can prepare for both pregnancy um, and postpartum, how postpartum is very important. And the gap is definitely there for support in postpartum, which could prevent a lot of, you know, postpartum depression and so many things if we're just aware of what to plan for and what to expect. Yes. If anything, that was another learning of um, things that go out of your control going into the hospital and my daughter's heart rate kept decelerating and it was three strikes and she's out. And so thankfully I was there and, you know, we had great doctor's care, but, um, yes, you know, things are going to be out of your control, but I thankfully was very peaceful and calm about the situation and, you know, everything turned out wonderfully. So, um, yes. Yeah. Beautiful. So Hillary, what's next for you? Like, what do you love about what you currently have going on and what are your next plans in your career? Oh gosh. Yes. And I love that you brought up about, you know, thinking about what's, what's in your 15 year, 20 year vision. And I did a mentorship with, um, ACHE. So, um, that's the American college of healthcare executives. And so again, importance of, of getting into associations and groups that are independent of just pharmacy. And the very first exercise that the mentor had me do was map out my life for 20 years. And I'm going, Oh my gosh, how do I know what's going to happen? And, you know, we had one, but okay, maybe hopefully we have another baby. What, well, what does that look like for your career? Are you going to, you know, and that is, is a, challenge, um, you know, for working moms is, um, in order to push, 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 you know, some people just go through and sometimes it's good to take a step back and enjoy, um, you know, so, um, it is always interesting. Um, I'm definitely going to enjoy my four month maternity leave, uh, that's available in Tennessee and soak that in. Um, but yeah, I'm also, you know, really passionate about, um, working on some of these things for RX for mom. So, you know, reliving that mom experiences, you know, going through pregnancy and breastfeeding and, um, you know, administering medications and thinking about things for, um, now we'll have a boy, we've had a girl, so that'll be a whole new learning curve, but, you know, trying to put together some resources and, um, you know, a business model to kind of help, um, 
uh, do that is something that I plan to keep working on and, you know, still staying engaged in the associations. I probably, I've, um, peeled off some of my responsibilities, but, um, yeah. And our travel, uh, on our personal life is not quite, you know, I don't think I've gone anywhere. Well, I take that back. We went somewhere internationally in March. It was the perfect timing because my daughter was old enough to stay with grandparents for about a week. And we had kind of this once in a lifetime opportunity to go to Israel. And, um, it was with a group and they said, just get there. We'll take care of everything else. And so you can't turn that down. Um, so, you know, that was our first international and probably will be the last one we do for a year or two, but, um, you know, we love to, to stay involved in our community, um, do things with friends. And, um, so yes, just enjoying life with toddlers, um, and raising babies too. Yeah. I love that. I have a boy and a girl too, so it's really precious. Um, and I want to thank you, Hillary, for sharing and allowing us to get a pulse on your perspectives of pharmacy and how to push it forward and the advocacy that you're doing. Um, so thank you so much for your time. And if you have just a couple more minutes, I'd love to do a rapid fire round with you. Okay. All right. All right. So number one, what's your number one tip for somebody to improve their quality of life right now? Mm, their quality of life right now. You know, I am have to use a calendar. I have, my husband started sending me calendar invites when we went on our, some of our first dates. And if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. So if people are not using a calendar, um, Google calendar, um, everything is electronic. I do not use a paper. I have not done that for years and it just helps me to stay organized and to plan. And so I think that, you know, if you're having trouble with exercising or anything, or, you know, I don't have time for this, put it on the calendar and, you know, that should be a goal. So using a calendar. I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing the same thing myself. And it's like, you actually have to schedule breaks too. Cause if you don't, or time with yourself, like you said, or exercise time, it has to be there because then you don't, prioritize it as much as you would a, an appointment or a podcast interview, for example. So treat your dates with yourself just as equally important as other appointments you have on there would be my little tidbit as well. Um, okay, number two. So speaking of how we can stay accountable and prioritize our time, what would be your advice for somebody that wants to step out of the box wants to do something new, but there's a lot of fear and overwhelm in the way. Mm. You know, when I hit send on those first three podcast episodes that the whole world could potentially hear, I'm like, is anybody going to listen to this? What? And, you know, now I've been doing it for six years and I uh, love getting feedback. So, you know, don't, be afraid to put yourself out there or to fail. Um, you know, at least you've tried and given it your effort. So I think that, um, I was reading something on parenting about like the, like 
unmotivated child or something. And it's like, often it's not, they're unmotivated or lazy. They have this fear or it's like perfectionism and, you know, pharmacists were kind of type a, so, um, you know, if, even if it's not perfect, I love the quote of like, just get version 1.0 out there. Um, so, you know, just start, you know, putting yourself out there and, your first few times, like my first podcast episodes were not great. So, um, you'll get better as you practice. I love that perspective too. And something fun to close us out with. What's your guilty pleasure? Oh, guilty pleasure. Um, well, I do love dark chocolate. Um, so that's probably, something that I do enjoy doing, but you know, it's also, um, sometimes nice to just, you know, I don't go, I, I work hard and then, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to like read books at this phase right now. So I have, um, I may have a show or something that I'll watch and that's like kind of a down chill time. I don't, immediately turn it. We don't have the TV running, um, at our house at all times. Growing up, my parents always had like a news channel or something on and, um, we never have the, the TV on, but my husband and I will sometimes like catch one show. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of a relaxation, guilty pleasure too. Yeah. Netflix and chill, right? <laughs> sometimes you need that. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. Well, Dr. Hillary, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for sharing those pearls of wisdom with us. And how can people learn more about your work and support you? Yeah. So um, definitely check out my podcast, Talk to Your Pharmacist. Um, I'm on Instagram at Talk to Your Pharmacist. And then um, any of the new stuff I'm doing, um, www.rx the number four mom.com and then rx underscore four underscore mom on Instagram um, and reach out on LinkedIn. I love to have LinkedIn connections and um, that's a great way to get a hold of me as well. So, all right, beautiful. Well, I'll have all that in the show notes and I wish you a wonderful rest of your day and a pleasant weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Marina. Great to be here. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.